Hi, I'm JT Angstrom with Freight Waves. Joining me today is a special guest, Dave Belter, VP and GM of Global Transportation Management with Ryder. Dave, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you join us. And where are you right now? Yeah, I'm sitting here in my office in Dallas, Texas. Okay, and, and have you been back in office for some time now? Well, actually, uh, most of us are working from home. I just happened to uh, be in the office this morning, uh, uh, catching up on some uh, work and getting the, getting the week started off in the right direction. Yeah, okay. So our topic for today, which is a really interesting one, is uh, the current transportation outlook and a look ahead into uh, the duration of the year, which given what 2020 has materialized into, I think will be a pretty interesting discussion and one with a lot of uncertainty. So I think us putting some structure around it will be a fundamental exercise. And so and certainly there's a lot of uncertainty. That's right. So I think ahead of that, what would be uh, helpful for the audience is, can we talk a little bit about your background and some of the experiences you've had in transportation, just to provide some context for the conversation? Sure. Uh, I've been involved in transportation my uh, entire career. Um, both from a carrier perspective and then probably the last 30 years from a supply chain perspective. Uh, I've been with Ryder for over 30 years now. Um, specifically, all of my career with Ryder has been either in our dedicated contract carriage group, managing fleets and drivers, or in our supply chain group, managing transportation networks. And the last 10 years, I've been uh, the vice president responsible for our transportation management uh, uh, product, managing global transportation for uh, for customers. And that's a rich background in terms of functional areas uh, to be able to give you a really uh, unique perspective on a lot of the different mechanics and moving pieces in, in surface transportation, both domestically and globally. So I think, I think that'll give us a really great setup for this conversation. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, no doubt I've had a lot of experience on the, uh, on the uh, uh, surface transportation side of the business. Um, which is one that is a passion of mine, so I think this will be, uh, be very fun. I, can we talk a little bit about the secular dynamics in transportation and maybe talk about, um, um, you know, a few years back leading up into this year, sort of independent of the pandemic, just trends around... Uh, how surface transportation has evolved, independent of the cyclicality, which we'll get into in, on follow-on questions, but how you've seen the space evolve? Well, certainly uh, you, can't, uh, you can't talk about surface transportation without talking about the cyclicality, so I look forward to talking about that. But, you know, the space has certainly evolved with, uh, you know, with technology. Um, and then if you uh, you know the whole digitization and automation of the uh, of the tactical execution and the administration of of transportation, but and then that coupled with some of the uh, some of the more uh, uh, functional parts of the uh, trans of transportation, specifically surface transportation, with respect to you know the driver uh, recruiting and driver shortage, driver wages, and and now of course. Uh, What's happening with insurance and, uh, and some of those nuclear um, verdicts that had come down, and, and carriers facing the uh, you know the um, uh, 
uh, increased uh, insurance uh, costs that uh, that uh, are coming down the uh, uh, 2020 and and beyond. Uh, that coupled with um, just the uh, uh, the changes in uh, in in the, uh, the dynamics of what's happening with uh, with equipment, uh, and we talk about automation of equipment. We talk about uh, you know the ergonomics of equipment. We talk about um, you know the uh, aerodynamics of what's happening with uh, with the equipment, and then you know some of the regulation around. Uh, Around what's happening in uh, in California with labor and uh, and with uh, with um, just the, the equipment emissions, uh, so there's just a lot of changes that carriers are facing and facing the industry in terms of you know uh, anticipating what what's the you know what's what's next around the corner, uh, all coupled with you know uh, working to grow your business and and serve customers and. And build a balanced network. So certainly, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uncertainties and a lot of changes uh, in in the industry as a whole. Absolutely. And, and one of the first that you mentioned was technology. I think a unique question to think through. A, a question I have for you to think through is: Do you think that the further adoption of technology in the space over the past, call it decade, has been uh, an enhanced catalyst for propelling a higher level of asset light solutions in the space, given their, their speed, their quality, uh, their ability to maintain given service levels, to more deeply penetrate various uh, operator networks. Would you say that there's validity to that thought process and hypothesis when going to, when going to market with shippers to provide kind of multi-pronged multi, multi solutions aside from just straight asset-based solutions? Well, certainly, I think there's room for asset-based and asset-light solutions. You know, the uh, you know the uh, the national and super regional truckload carriers play a, a major role in uh, in servicing uh, our transportation needs here in the U.S. But then, you know, certainly uh, there's a large uh, community of uh, of smaller carriers. You know, uh, less than fifty. 50 assets and bringing those carriers to bear in a network-like approach is where technology is uh, is uh, you know bringing a lot of value to shippers when you can knit uh, a uh, significant uh, volume of assets in a more coordinated fashion than you could otherwise. Um, certainly has the opportunity to um, bring some more. I'll say. Um, you know, uh, predictable capacity uh, to bear for shippers and in, in support of uh, in, in support of their dynamic transportation networks. I think that's right. And so now, if we're to circle back to our uh, cyclicality element, as you look over the last, call it five years, um, sort of the back half of 2014 and into 2015 was defined by. You know, the Chicago freeze, the fallout of, you know, oil, WTI, Brent. Um, 2016 was a little bit of a hangover from some of the contract negotiations in and around the supply and demand dynamics in 2015. The summer of 2017, we had some significant weather events, which um, drove the spot market, which resulted in 
a pretty attractive contract market in 2018 that resulted in a lot of new tractor purchases which created a supply uh, excess supply environment for 2019 which made that year a little bit more challenging and now we are here in 2020 which is one of the more if not the most unique years and in, in certainly in my historical memory um, but but arguably over the past decade or two can we talk a little bit about some of the cyclical trends within that framework that you see as being really material drivers on um, surface transportation providers providing service to the shipping community? Well, specifically, we're talking about the pandemic. If you think about 2019, when we first uh, when we first got into this year, I think many of us were looking for this to be a year of balance. Um, you know, coming off of uh, what was a pretty difficult 17, early 18, um, and then certainly uh, 19 was, uh, was uh, I'll say, uh, uh, a year for the shipper for sure. Um, and um, I think uh, most shippers and, and 3PLs alike, you know, we were anticipating that 2020 would be a, um, you know, I'll say a more balanced year. And the pandemic certainly uh, threw all of that uh, out of whack. And, um, you know, who would have predicted that we'd shut down the economy? And certainly as, as I talk to carriers, um, you know, you think about what happened, the industrial sectors were slammed in terms of shutdowns. And then uh, we had the large run on, uh, on consumer products as the consumers provisioned up for what uh, appeared to be a shelter-in-place uh, mentality, and uh, and while if you look at March, uh, volumes were you know fairly strong, but certainly way out of balance. Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, with with that out of balance, uh, many carriers' networks got way out of balance, and they looked for ways to fill in their. Uh, their empty lanes with other customers. And as we're starting to come back now, um, you know, it's a, it's a very choppy uh, um, economy. Uh, we've got some states that are, are shut down. Some industries are, are uh, struggling, um, whether it's um, uh, the aerospace or um, certainly uh, uh, uh leisure and, uh, and travel uh, way down. And uh, so uh, carriers networks are completely out of balance and, um, and they're, um, you know, really working hard to, uh, to try and satisfy all of their customers, both the new customers they brought on uh, to fill their excess capacity uh, during the shut, during the initial phases, of the shutdown. And now, uh, as the economy's coming back, um, you know we've got uh, we've got carriers that um, are uh, are trying to satisfy both their uh, newer customers from the uh, uh, that they brought on during the uh, during the uh, initial periods of the pandemic, and as their as their current as their previous customers are coming back up, they're trying to satisfy um, you know very dynamic uh, networks and, and challenges coupled with surges and inventory low inventory levels and uh, they're causing uh, shippers to ship from factories versus DCs you've just got uh, a very unpredictable surface transportation networks across multiple industries that um, 
um, are um, are uh, very difficult to uh, satisfy uh, with what was previously a, a pretty uh, balanced network. Um, couple that with you know some of the weather challenges we've had with recent hurricanes. Uh, uh, that's all kind of thrown the uh, uh, North American surface transportation networks into a bit of a uh, a chaos, and you can see that certainly with the uh, uh, the loads that are in the spot market right now. Are you know I think um, year over year we I think we got ninety percent more loads in the spot market than we did uh, in twenty nineteen, and I don't think anyone could have predicted that uh, going into this uh, this year. Um, and certainly with uh, with the retail holiday season just uh, coming upon us, uh, you know, very unpredictable. Uh, certainly, we know that uh, we're going to continue to see uh, volumes like we have today, probably some uptick in volumes. And um, and, and I think from a shipper perspective and a 3PL perspective, we're all working hard to uh, uh, ensure that uh, we have lockdown capacity for the uh, for the remainder of the year. And that means that we're bringing on uh, additional carriers into the network to fill in, I'll say, what we might call white space, uh, where uh, where we're seeing uh, some weakness in our carrier portfolios. And uh, so we're making, we're making uh, new contacts and new relationships with uh, carriers that maybe we weren't, uh, weren't working with on specific in specific markets. Uh, previously, we're working with them today in, in those markets. Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal overview of where we, uh, what has materialized kind of year to date. I think if we were to talk about the volatility in the market this year and, and, and what that has resulted in, you know, um, one of the more proprietary data sets we have is our tender data set. And we, we, uh, we've seen what many would, would categorize as a bullwhip effect, um, a, a very material bullwhip effect throughout supply chains, which is... Uh, one of the core contributors of that volatility. And when you talk to the asset-based side of the world um, or, or look at statistics in and around it, you know, new truck orders uh, hit all-time measured lows earlier in the year. They pick back up shortly after. Uh, driver schools have been very challenged to, uh, you know, quote-unquote, create new drivers just due to the health implications of having large groups in close proximity um, and you layer that on top of, again, significant volume volatility. Can we talk a little bit about present state today, supply and demand dynamic uh, across, you know, the asset base and then, you know, subsequently how that parlays into the asset light elements of the, of the market? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, certainly as I talk to our carrier partners, um, uh, I think each every one of them will say they they could seat a significant number of more drivers if they if they uh, if they could uh, increase that pipeline of candidates. Um, you know, I've talked to carriers that say they have ten percent of their fleet parked. I've talked to carriers that said that if they had another two hundred drivers, they could they could keep all two hundred rolling. Um, so certainly, uh, and then again, again, that's reflected in the spot market. So these. You know the super regional national carriers certainly have more business than they can uh, than they can handle, and they're working hard, as we said, as I said earlier, to satisfy all of their customers. Sometimes I like to think they're trying to um, uh, 
disappoint their customers just a little bit, every one of them. It's, it's very difficult for them to uh, get all their equipment in position to haul that next load. Even with 48-hour tender uh, notification, it's, it's difficult. But, um, you know, so uh, driver, I think driver shortage, driver recruiting is, is back on top of the list of, of one of the top challenges that uh, the carriers have. You know, coming out of uh, uh, 19, certainly we saw some reduction in uh, capacity in the market. As I said, you know, we went into 2020 in pretty good balance. Uh, specifically from a shipper's perspective, I think 2020 was teeing up to be a you know, maybe the, the networks were heavily weighted more to the shipper. And certainly, you know, we've never lived through a pandemic before. It's very difficult to forecast what um, what it's going to look like as uh, as the economy turns itself back on. And and um, so driver shortage, certainly a, a big uh, uh, a big challenge, uh, maybe not so much a shortage, but recruiting uh, those uh, those training schools. Not being at full capacity is certainly uh, is certainly um, a big part of that. You know, we do have a little bit of a um, um, a uh, I'll say good news, I guess, from a carrier perspective. Uh, the competition for drivers, let's say, in the oil and gas industry, not being at full bore should help to some extent. Uh, uh, free up some uh, uh, labor, you know, unemployment's still high. So you would think that uh, there's opportunities to um, to continue to recruit and find those drivers. I know a number of carriers have uh, have increased driver pay or owner-operator pay. I think Schneider just recently announced a pretty big pay increase and, and some others as well. Uh, we'll see if that, um, if that uh, lends itself to uh, bringing on drivers. So, you know, Pretty typical uh, when you get into this tight capacity market, you see uh, you see a big push to uh, fill more seats in trucks. And as you said, you see that um, uh, truck orders has uh, come up a little bit. So, um, but in this industry, supply and demand lag each other. We never get a perfect, uh, um, I don't know, swing of the pendulum. That uh, there's always a capacity. It's either a supply. Uh, uh, or, or deficiency or oversupply, uh, it's very difficult to, to, to strike a perfect balance. And in in this market, with the uncertainty of uh, you know the um, uh, the economy and 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 what's going to happen with um, with the industrial sector and how quickly that'll come back. The full bore, um, it's, uh, you know, uh, we know we're going to have uh, uh, we're going to have some additional demands for additional capacity above and beyond just what's going to happen in the retail holiday season. Yeah, I think that's phenomenal context and color. And so, given that present state, again, given the background we've just provided of kind of past few years the trends, both secular and cyclical, the current state of the market. Let's talk a little bit about what we think the duration of the year might look like. And we're sitting, you know, right on the precipice of 4Q starting right now. What, what do we think the final quarter of um, this roller coaster of a year might feel like? 
Well, I think, yeah, from, from our perspective, certainly more of the same. Um, yeah, you know, I think October is going to be a, a big tell. Um, September's typically a, uh, you know, I'll say a, uh, maybe a, uh, uh, a slower uh, volume month or lower volume month heading, heading into the, into the holiday season. But October will be a big tell. Uh, it's, uh, you know, certainly it's going to depend on, you know, how, uh, how the consumer continues to hold up and what, uh, and, and what's going to happen with holiday spending. I think, I think the other point to make though, is, um, everything you read about inventories being as low as they are and, uh, and the charge to, you know, replenish inventories in the backdrop of, you know, the holiday season we've got, we've got that as well. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of unknowns. I think, I think, but the one thing that I think we can bet on is that uh, we're going to, at a minimum, have more of the same. Probably have a, probably even a, a, an uptick in volume. From from our perspective, if I look at 2020 in the networks that we manage, September's teeing up to be our highest volume month of the year, which um, which is somewhat surprising. Uh, I think we'll be 10 percent. Uh, a higher volume in September than we were in March, which was, uh, you know, the big uh, provisioning month for the consumer. So um, if October is an uptick from that, I think, uh, you know, we can we can look for the rest of the year being uh, exactly what we have now, maybe a little bit tighter. And um, uh, the I'll say the uncertainty is, is uh, what's going to happen with inventory replenishment I look at some of the networks that we're managing a lot of factory direct shipping, which typically previously was, uh, uh, you know, shipping from warehouse. So we've, yeah, you got a lot of new lanes that have, uh, that have, uh, you know, emerged that, uh, you know, shippers and 3PLs are working hard to, uh, to lock down some, uh, you know, predictable capacity to, to service those. Yeah, I think that I think that's a great overview, and I, I think if we were to follow on with one final question before uh, closing out, given all of uh, this background we've provided with the, the 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 setup for the market, the outlook moving forward, um, understanding that the market does not yet have full transparency, um, and you know. Analysts in the space, if you will, or, or the analyst-minded individuals are constantly reading as many tea leaves as possible to uh, put together a mosaic theory-style picture. Can you provide any thoughts on where you see opportunity for more data, better data, more technology, or better technology, whether it be uh, closer to real-time, more expansive, more granular, um, uh, higher functionality um, um, or increased software solutions, whether it be analytics or otherwise. I'd be interested to hear your, your, your cursory thoughts on that. Yeah, and we, I think we started off the conversation talking about, uh, you know, technology and, uh, you know, kind of the concept of digitization. And, and we didn't talk a lot about data and big data and the business intelligence that, uh, can be uh, derived uh, by uh, its uh, employment, but uh, certainly, um, you know, the whole digitization of the process, the value of that is, you know, speed, um, the faster that we can uh, 
uh, translate orders into loads and loads into tender acceptance, uh, the, the better. Um, but then when we get to uh, the next level of that, uh, of that technology, about visibility, understanding where my orders are and where, and where the capacity is in the market. Cause with that, uh, with that, uh, perfect view of visibility, uh, I think that can be levered um, to um, uh, to identify that next uh, that next level of capacity uh, for that next load. So um, really creating that perfect visibility from an execution perspective should be able to, uh, in the long run, help uh, identify uh, uh, the best available capacity, uh, eliminate some uh, empty miles uh, and help carriers, uh, you know, plan their uh, their uh, networks out, uh, I'll say, in a more um, um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a more predictable fashion. But if you take uh, and you, you say, how do I leverage that, that big data? They, uh, there's opportunities to use that to be more predictive around surges and around, uh, I'll say, the, the annual and the uh, cadence of, of, a, of a shipper's business and uh, do a better job of forecasting for, for you know, the uh, next couple of months, but also forecasting out uh, for the next week uh, or two weeks. Uh, we're starting to use some of that big data to, uh, for some of our, one of our customers, we're doing a pilot right now where we're forecasting and predicting uh, that loads will actually occur and we're ac actually executing tenders off of, off of that uh, predictive analytics. And I think uh, there's a lot more that, uh, that can be done with, with that analytics around predicting, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the cadence and the flow of uh, specific networks based on history and based on, uh, you know, what happens when, uh, uh, you know, in the case of hurricanes or in the case of uh, holiday season or in the case of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, you could have a weather, another weather event, but, uh, but whether it's winter or otherwise. So a lot can, uh, a lot can be done with, uh, with uh, data just around uh, the predicting of, uh, of what's going to happen in the network, and you can leverage that visibility uh, to um, to not only manage uh, exceptions in near real time, uh, uh, um, consuming information like weather or traffic patterns uh, to to be more specific about when when uh, loads are going to arrive, and uh, do a better planning around receiving and shipping, and all of that helps. Uh, helps uh, drive this whole uh, productivity at, uh, at origins and destinations, put shippers in a better position from a shipper of choice perspective by producing a better lead time and, uh, and then being much more productive and efficient at the, uh, at the point of delivery or pickup. Yeah, I think that's a great overview. I think that's a great overview. And so with that, Dave, thank you very much for your time. Dave Belter, VP and GM of Global Transportation Management with Ryder. I'm JT Angstrom with Freightwaves. Thank you. Thanks, JT.